This is the Parenting for Faith podcast from the Bible Reading Fellowship. Visit parentingforfaith.org for free online videos and resources and an eight-session course all about Parenting for Faith. You can also sign up for news, subscribe to this podcast, and find out about events and training in your area. Welcome to the Parenting for Faith podcast. My name is Rachel Turner, and this week uh, we are looking at question a parent sent in a while ago and I love this question so I was saving it for a main section of the podcast which is this uh, it's a, a parent contacted me and very honestly said I don't like a character trait in my child and I think it really annoys me because I also struggle with it and so how do you parent when you're that annoyed at your kid <laughs> And uh, I hear that. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, how do we talk to our children about George Floyd's funeral this week and and the whole movement that's happening across the UK and the world, really, about racism. And uh, we also sat down with our friend Mike Palin and asked him about teenagers and God in lockdown and what can we do to help our teenagers connect with God in this season. And of course, we will always have a question to start an interesting conversation with our kids. But first... First, uh, we've all been in lockdown for a while now. And while uh, the restrictions are easing, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, we're all just free and out. And if you have somehow managed this entire lockdown without getting on each other's nerves, then I would be surprised. Uh, and uh, this question come up uh, really significantly. And I think it was a great question because it's not just about what annoys me about my kid, which we all get annoyed with our children at some point. And it's not just about a character trait, but in particular, the character trait that uh, in some ways may have been your weakness in the past, a thing that really bugs you uh, about yourself or others, and you begin to see it in your child. And, and what do you do? How do you discipline when it's something that you're either struggling with, that really annoys you about yourself, and that uh, really pushes your buttons with your kid? And uh, so I, uh, I just wanted to, I guess, speak into it a little bit. One, I just want to say it happens to all of us. Uh, this uh, sense of aggravation, proximity, um, reminding us of ourselves, whether it's a bugabear. Um, I just want you to remember that our kids aren't finished yet. We are all on a journey of transformation. And so are they. They're just really early in it. And therefore, their faults are deeply glaring. <laughs> and we have to live with them. And it's hard. So I just want to like heart to heart, parent, parent, I hear you. Um, when it comes to how we begin to discipline this and engage with this and begin to go on our heart's journey of it, I think it's helpful to begin not with how do I squish this out of my child, <laughs> but um, begin to positively grow a value for the character trait that you want them to have. Uh, so whether it's truthfulness, whether it's humility, whether it's um, just consideration for others, whatever you want them to have um, that is lacking, begin to build a a feedback loop that not only um, appreciates them and notices when they're doing it, you know, quote unquote, right, but also the why. So um, 
if your kid is lying, feedback when they're honest, but but feedback not just like good telling the truth, but say things like, I really appreciate your honesty. It helps me understand your thinking and feelings more, and it builds my trust in you. It gives them the why. So you're not just saying, yes, ding, you did it right. You're saying when you're honest, this is how I feel about you. This is the fruit that it has for others. Uh, you say the why um, rather than just thank you for not lying. So whether it's you saying, I so admire how you found your peace um, when something bugs you about your kid because they just jump to anger all the time, rather than saying good not getting angry, say I really admire how you found your peace uh, to be able to go forward. Or uh, if your kid's really aggressive in a hug, uh, you can say things like, I really love when you hug me gently. It makes me feel valued and loves. Feedback and explain why that character trait that you want them to exhibit uh, is so important, how it impacts. It builds them an, an understanding of this value and how it impacts others. And and they then begin to appreciate why you're pushing them in that direction and then valuing that direction. And then... I would suggest that in addition to you know, your normal discipline of stuff that you need to discipline your kids, if if it's this particular issue that it's a character trait that just pushes your buttons or something that you have in the past struggled with and so you recognize it and it bugs you, um, I would suggest you have a conversation with your kid when the emotions aren't high. Often we want to leap into these conversations when it's like, you're doing this. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Well, I did. And it, we're just all of a sudden in this huge bubble of emotion and nobody's hearing each other then. But um, I would suggest you grab some time together alone when life is happy and just say, you know, you may notice that I seem to be very focused on your blah, you know, whether it's lying or, you know, when you get really physical with your affection or whatever it is. Uh, And I'm sorry if it feels like I'm nagging you or on you all the time about it. Um, I'm really sorry if that feels weighty on your shoulders, because um, I I just want to be honest with you. In my life, I've made a lot of mistakes. And in particular, this thing was something that I struggled with and still struggle with. And And in those mistakes, it really cost me. It cost me my job. It cost me my friendships. It cost me whatever, you know, happened in your life. And you can say, when I look at the people in the Bible, it it held them back and messed up their thing that God called them to. And I want you to have a life filled with good relationships and great purpose with God. And it's my job to help you grow and learn. And that's why it's important to me. And I'm sorry if I go over the top or if I, if I do it wrong, I, I really want this to, um, to uh, get out of your way and help you fly in this area. And growing is hard and uncomfortable. And I'm still growing in lots of areas, as you know, just like you are. And um, when I discipline you about this, what do you feel? And why? And why do you struggle with this? And you can all of a sudden have a conversation about what's going on. You're not apologizing for caring about it, but you're saying this is a really important issue for all of these reasons. And I know it's tough. And, uh, and I've experienced it, and it's really important to me. And when you do that, you then are sharing your heart for the value of, of what you see in your kid, the good things and the things they're struggling with and, and why. And, uh, and then you become to be that sort of buddy. Uh, the last thing I would suggest also is that um, you have a buddy who likes your kid. 
who can tell you when you are overreacting? Because particularly if it's an issue that you've struggled with or it's a character trait that you had in yourself that's now really annoying you about your kid, it's hard to, to get good bearings on it. And so if you have a partner living at home with you, great. They might be that person. Uh, or you may just have a friend who you're like, okay, my kid did this. Am I overreacting? Is this my thing? And having someone wise on the outside who loves your kid can also just be really helpful in engaging it. Because we want to be fair to our kids while also not being afraid to, to discipline in them and disciple them in this. And it's really important. So, uh, yes, rest, uh, help your kid positively understand the value and do it compassionately and well. I'll still don't worry about it. You got it. You got it. You can do it. We have been uh, receiving many questions about uh, the issue of George Floyd and racism and this movement that has been going across the UK uh, calling for justice. And uh, and we just sort of wanted to uh, respond in some way. We responded on our our page and our and our social media, but we also just wanted to um, answer the question that we keep getting over and over again, which is, what should I be saying to my child about this? Uh, my social media is filled with articles about systemic racism and and George Floyd and and the others, um, and and what should I be talking to my kid about? And uh, I feel like. There are so many excellent resources, so many key voices that are out there that we need to be listening to uh, and and letting feed us uh, that I, I don't feel like it's it's my place to tell you what you should be doing. But um, as Parenting for Faith, we just wanted to help you center yourself when it comes to the spiritual life of your kid and engaging with this massive and very important issue. Um so if the question of what should you be doing, to me, the answer is, you know, your family best and everyone and every family has a different experience of the issue of racism and systemic racism and violence. And so therefore there is no one right answer. The question to be asking ourselves is this, what is the next step for my child and how can I help them take it? And so is the next step for your child in understanding this whole issue and in engaging with God about it and letting this form uh, the heart of how they uh, engage with God and understand their faith and practice? Is it about facilitating lament and prayer as we uh, encounter and remember our personal stories of our family and our, and our family's communities' stories of this? Is it about helping our children understand the historical and current situation and educate them about the events? Is it about seeking out and hearing the stories of others? Is it about enabling their own voice of their personal experiences to be heard in their church community? What is next? You are their parent. Don't feel overwhelmed by the enormity of the shoulds. We should be out there sharing our story as a family of color. We should be finding a homeschool curriculum about the history of racism. Just take a pause and ask yourself and ask God, what is the next step on the journey? What is, whether it's relational, whether it's prayer, whether it's activism, whether it's education, there are so many fantastic blogs and word poems and books and information out there to access. But start with the, the question really of you and God in a room saying, what is next for my children? 
And then I would suggest that you, um, in addition to all of those things that you feel is next, to help focus your children's heart and, and take this opportunity to disciple them in God's heart for justice. Uh, God is a God of justice. It is a key aspect of who he is and what he commands us to seek. And uh, and we want to train our kids to look to God, to constantly realign their hearts and find in their hearts places of pain to express and places of sin to expose and and ways of thinking that need to be readjusted and so in a season that calls us to a realignment to teach them to constantly look to God to find his heart and align themselves with that you know to find hope and grief and boldness or truth and guidance and inspiration uh, to know what God feels about it and where he is and what he is doing doing and what he calls us to. Uh, And so you can do that in many different ways, whether it's just accessing scripture, you know, finding books, we are just talking about it at the dinner table. Um, We at Parenting for Faith wanted to help families go on this journey. So uh, we put together something that families of all experiences and shapes and ethnicities uh, can uh, use to explore what God says through scripture about injustice, whether it's you know, racial, ethnic, social, gender, and either. Uh, and it's on the website, parentingforfaith.org. Just type in justice or injustice or racism or anything around that, and the post will pop up. And it contains five areas of discussions with Bible passages to explore and ways of encountering God and using the Parenting for Faith tools. But I just wanted to, to say that there's there's something happening in our country And don't feel pressured to have all the right words. Um, We are called to disciple our kids for faith. And understanding God's heart uh, for justice is a a key part of that. And you are walking with them on this journey, step by step, painful and necessary as it is. And uh, you can help them find God in it. Many of us are uh, on lockdown with our teenagers, which I'm sure has been a very interesting experience. Uh, I know some parents have experienced such delight in reconnecting with their teenagers, uh, also feeling trapped uh, in a prison with your teenagers, and probably all on the same day. Uh, Teenagers are fantastic, wonderful people, and it is a joy as a parent to see them grow. Uh, And it can be hard to figure out how can we facilitate and help them meet and know God as they're growing and wanting to get independent and particularly in the season of being sort of isolated from their wider community. Um, How can we as parents facilitate and help our kids uh, in their relationship with God when they're teenagers? And so uh, we decided to grab Mike Palin. He has been a youth in youth ministry for over 20 years. He's currently the director of the 267 Project in St. Albans, supporting youth ministry across the region. And Anna Hawken talked with him about how to help the faith of teenagers in lockdown. This is Anna from the Parenting for Faith team. I am here with Mike Palin from the 267 Project. Mike, you've been involved with young people and youth work and children's work for a long time. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do now? So, yeah, I've been doing youth work for half my life, which is a bit mad. Well, over half my life, which is crazy. So I started off being a youth worker in a church uh, and then I did some outdoor pursuits and then I did some more youth work in a church. And then I sort of got to the point of thinking, actually, I feel quite privileged to work for a church and get a house and get paid for almost playing you know and I and I felt I felt a little bit privileged and I 
Yeah, and I just sort of had a couple of years where God was nudging me and I was like, okay, there needs to be something more than this. And I thought, what would it look like if I invested my energies and my experiences into churches that would never, ever be able to afford uh, a youth worker? And so about 14 years ago, 267 was birthed. This, this week, actually, is our anniversary. Which well, is very happy exciting. birthday. I know. Happy birthday, 267. It was upstairs in a dusty church hall that we launched it. Uh, and so, yeah, so 13, what, 14 years on, we've got a team of five and our budget's a bit bigger than when it began. And there's probably about 40 or 50 churches that access us in some way, which is, yeah, I feel really, really blessed and privileged to do what I do. Amazing. Yeah, and fun. so you mentioned there um, that there are lots of kind of smaller churches that don't have a youth worker or they might just have one or two young people. Yeah. Uh, if you've got a, if you're a parent and your teenager is in that kind of situation, what sort of tips would you give to those people? Yeah, it's, it's, I think one, sometimes when you get in the bubble, you, there's this phrase that people have, the sort of echo chamber, that you only ever hear what you're used to. And I think sometimes in youth work circles, we think everyone's got a youth worker and everyone's, mm. got, everyone's got a really big youth group. When actually, you know, you need to flip it on its head that I think there's something like 30 youth groups in the entire country that are of a size that is big. And actually 98% of churches don't have a paid worker to their youth work. And so yeah. my own youth group is three teenagers. Yeah. And we, we connect with them every week. So I think you've got to think beyond the youth work and the youth worker, and you've got to think the church. And so I always say to parents, figure out how you can get your teenagers to interact with the whole church. But then actually the other way is true. How does your whole church interact with teenagers? Because they say one of, the re, one of the ways your teenager can grow in their faith and keep their faith is if there's an adult that recognises them and puts value on them. So that sort yeah. of being recognised in the whole church family. So it's almost, and it's quite hard to do it at the moment, but it's almost how does your church behave outside of a Sunday that includes uh, teenagers and, and kids to, to a degree, you know. Um, and it's finding those people that are not weird, that just even just say hello to them on a Sunday. You, it, I can't emphasise enough the power of someone just saying, oh, hi, how are you? I heard you had an A-level exam this week. It is, it is huge. And so it's getting the church to realise that it's as simple as that in some ways. Yeah, and people don't need to have loads of experience in youth work no, or no. we talk loads about just uh, creating windows into your own walk with God, your own spiritual wow. life, yeah, yeah. just showing a little bit of what your life with God looks like and then explaining that to someone else. So Absolutely. I guess what you're saying is finding people who can do that. Yeah, and it's a story yeah. thing. So I sit before you with no qualifications. I joke about this. I have my 10-metre swimming badge and my cycling proficiency. And I can guarantee you, those two help me in no way in my youth work career. It's the <laughs> fact that I've just, I've just walked it for... It was because a youth worker walked with me when I was a teenager yeah. and a bit of a pain. And then I was like, well, actually, God has took me down this path, which isn't getting a qualification, which for some people works. Actually, for me, it's been just hanging out, doing youth work, and so that is my story. And so actually, you want people to be that normal with them so that it becomes a story sharing uh, relationship, really, rather than a, I know how to do youth work, so I'm going to do youth work on you. It's that sort of weird thing we want to avoid. It's actually, whether you're a kid, a grandparent, a church leader, our stories is almost what links us because they're all unique, but they're all valued in the same amount. Yeah, Which, I love yeah, that. Yeah. 
Um, and we were chatting in our house the other day about, uh, so at the time of recording, I should say we are in lockdown still. <laughs> and um, we were just discussing kind of different ages and stages. Some people are loving it. Some people are mm. hating it and everything in between. And I was saying of all the ages, I feel really sorry for the teenagers. Like yeah. this is really sucky. Suddenly yeah. you can't see your friends. You still have to do work, but it's not there. Um, do you have any kind of advice or insight for teenagers who are struggling yeah. at the moment or parents helping them? Uh, we talk to a bunch of teenagers each week with our sort of our regular gathering that we have. And you realise that because they're so good at online stuff anyway, so before this all happened, they their music was online, they communicated online, they listened to music, um, YouTube and stuff like that. They, they were wired to that, but they had this little segment of their life where they were physically with their best friends and and that was almost the thing that that kept them going because they're very young people are very aware of being present with one another they're so good at gathering they're so good at looking after each other their friendships are, are normally really strong and solid and they love just hanging out and so when you remove that piece and put that piece online mm. we've seen that that's almost that's what's tipped the the balance too much because it doesn't give them it doesn't give them anything that they would normally get. So the physical contact, the the sort of non-verbal uh, cues that you get when you're just hanging out in a group and the banter, um, as well as just the physical experiences of sitting in parks, going to coffee shops, uh, walking mm. back from school. And so I think we're trying to say to them, you can't replicate what gives them that bit of energy. So you just try and check in with them and by them knowing you're there and checking in with them, uh, they feel like they've been seen. So the 267 has done a couple of things. We've we've tried to have regular uh, Zoom calls in small and big groups. And then yeah. I, because for my own therapy, I've written handwritten cards to people. So I've written them to my donors. I've written them to leaders. I've written them to youth workers. But i also written them to our sort of bunch of teenagers that we journey with the most. And I think it's that sort of thing where they look at it and go, oh, they they've remembered me they know me it just gives you that little bit of something to get to the next day because i think we don't want to think how do i get to the end of the lockdown because we don't know when that is you think how do i get no. to tomorrow how do i get to tomorrow how do i mm. wake up tomorrow not it not being the worst day of my life and so it's just trying to give them things that get them to the next day and it could be a simple zoom thing it could be a you know, they're going to have some fun uh, with a quiz online. So we've done quizzes with ours. It could be you encourage them to make something and send it to someone. Uh, just little things like that. Um, there, I, there is no silver bullet at all. And maybe that comes back to what you were saying at the beginning about as a parent, sometimes it's tricky to do that because you're the one yeah. locked in a house with them, whether or not you're yeah, seeing yeah. them. But maybe you could ask people in your church, would you be that person? Would Absolutely. you walk alongside them? Absolutely. And they say, I think it was the, the guys in America said that, uh, if they had five adults in their church that knew them and said hi to them, that, that is the tipping point of them seeking out a church family when they get older. So, you know, if you had a young person that had five, you know, even, you know, Facebook messages or a card in a post or a text to their parent from five adults in your church, I think it would be mind-blowingly positive thanks so much mike i feel like there's um challenge and encouragement for everyone there if you're a parent of a teenager find those people in your church seek them out yeah. be bold ask them to connect with your teenager and if you don't have teenagers right now maybe you have younger kids or yeah. adult children or whatever 
maybe you could uh, do that for a teenager. Even if you know nothing about youth work and young Absolutely. people, can you just remember them and get in touch? And a question to start an interesting conversation with your kid is this. Do you think it would have been fun to be Jesus's brother or sister growing up? Why or why not? I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for downloading the Parenting for Faith podcast. A new episode will be released next week. And why not look at parentingforfaith.org to watch the free eight-session course, to get in touch, or to find out about training and events near you. Thank you.